Today's episode of The Recapables on The Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within a day. They are the best at distributing your job to the best boards, especially the jobs at X Capital. Oh. Identifying the right people, inviting them to apply. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. They are the presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're also brought to you by Binge Mode, where they recapped season one, season two of Billions, Mallory Rubin, Jason Concepcion. And if you love Billions a lot, Brian Koppelman was on the BS podcast on Friday, and we talked about a whole bunch of Billions-related stuff. Right now, we are going to talk about Billions. We are doing this every Sunday night. Right after the show ends, it pops up. Me and Mallory Rubin, the Queen of Dragons. <laughs> We've never worked together like this. This is our best collaboration ever. I Other like than to, the ringer.com. I like to collaborate think that we're years. like, we're Axe and, and Wags just out there collaborating every minute of every day. This episode is called Ty Goes to the Runner. Yes. Baseball. Love baseball, Bill. Other possible titles could have been Don Cage Draper, Cage Humiliation, and Nicholas Cage. Which one do you like out of those three? Oh, man. I like Don Cage Draper best because of the incredibly deep Mad Men cuts involving what Chuck is actually thinking about there and Bob Benson. It's great stuff. Episode one, season three. The most scarring scene, I think, in the history of Billions. We're going to get to that and a lot more. But first, here's what Wendy said when she ripped Axe's new bachelor pad, which we're going to talk about in a second. Cool bachelor pad, bro. I tell you, Bobby, it's times like these, I, I wish you hadn't fired Dr. Gus. Why? Because this is a fucking disaster. All right, so we're back. Season three, Axe. Yes. His assets have been frozen. Nothing's worse than having your assets get frozen. Very tough. He apparently had enough loose change sitting around to secure an incredible apartment in Manhattan, though. So, yeah, so is, can okay. we just call that the MVP of the first episode? Or the new would apartment? you have another MVP? That, that was one of the best apartments I've ever seen on a television show. Light everywhere. Beautiful windows, windows. floor to ceiling windows. The thing is, not a lot of privacy. And Axe has a lot of new women coming through. Wow. <laughs> that, I mean, we're going to get to that in a second. Why don't you give us the 30 second recap of what happened in episode one? <sighs> 30 second recap of 40, what 42 happened seconds. in episode one. 42 seconds. Well, obviously, just like season one, season two ended with another phenomenal Axe Chuck showdown. Yeah. Chuck, in that case, throwing Bobby's patented worth it line back in his face. So mm. we enter season three. Where are our heroes? <laughs> what state are they in? We find out quickly. Chuck, still U.S. attorney for the Southern District. His yeah. campaign, his ambitions to be governor of New York, all of that, you know, his relationship with Black Jack Foley, his falling out with Ira and Chuck Sr., stealth MVP of every episode Love of Billions. Chuck Sr., all of that is kind of exactly where we left it. The only thing that's really changed for Chuck is new attorney general in Washington, who I look forward to discussing at length during this podcast. Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. So cutting back the administration, telling, telling Chuck and co, cut back. 
on the Wall Street cases, but still go after X. So the only thing that's really changed for Chuck, new administration, and he and Wendy are back together. They're thriving, as we will again oh discuss God. at length. Oh, they are thriving. X, a lot of changes there. Assets are frozen. He's face. He's been indicted, so he's actually facing trial. Like we, I think a lot of people thought he'll find a way out of this. Doesn't seem like that's the case. Over the course of the episode, he actually, after grappling with what this means about his identity and his sense of self, he decides that he will give up the right, the ability to trade directly, because that will mean the government will unfreeze his funds. Thus, this would be capital. like this would be like you giving up Game of Thrones <laughs> to unfreeze your funds. Oh my God! They're like you have to give up the last season of Game of Thrones. I will you suffer. get your money back. I will suffer so that the Ringer can thrive. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> and Taylor actually shows up in place of Axe at this big ideas meeting at the end of the episode. Taylor has a silver-backed gorilla of an idea. Good idea. I talked into it. I was looking for stock on the internet. What else happens in this well, episode? Well, Taylor starts the episode with with by just being a little too aggro That's in the, other in the meeting and, and turns off because X isn't there, not in the office. But the new office. And she's just too assertive and everybody's like, all right, settle down. Everything has shifted to Manhattan. Well, so we Axe's mention- apartment's in Manhattan and so is the new, the new Axe Capital office. They're in Manhattan now. We should mention this episode starts... The whole season starts with the attorney general's story about horse fucking. It does. And a <laughs> a long story about the first horse, that teaser horse that comes in and gets the mare ready, but doesn't get to finish. And then the stud comes in and finishes while the teaser horse just has to settle his business over there. And he then compares Chuck to he the does, teaser to horse. The teaser. And we're off. You're back in the barn nursing your rager with a bucket of oats. Yeah. My goodness. Don't we all know that feeling? <laughs> Little so, does he know that Chuck loves nursing his rager with a bucket of oats. Um, who doesn't love that? Uh, the attorney general played by Clancy Brown, as you yes. mentioned, who's had a storied career as a that guy. And I think at some point he became Clancy Brown. I first fell in love with him as Viking and Bad Boys, the Sean Penn uh, juvie prison classic. Oh, my goodness. Way back when. Got blown up with a <laughs> ghetto blaster at one point near the end. Then then he was in uh, Highlander. Yes. He's the main villain in Highlander. Had a phenomenal big kind of uh, Larry Bird, type, Jack Sigma type afro that I thought was the, one of the best blonde afros of the 80s. But then Shawshank the Redemption Kurgan. comes. The Kurgan. That's what it's yeah. called. Then Shawshank Redemption comes. And he's he's the evil, evil warden sidekick who just does all kinds of terrible things. And now he, I think to most of America, that's who he is. Did you pick up on his name during the course of this no, episode? No, what was it? <clears throat> Little internet research has allowed me to deduce because I heard Chuck say Jeff Code at one point. And I was like, I wonder if that's the attorney general's name. His name is Waylon Jock Jeffcoat. Get out Jock of here. Jock Jeffcoat. Jock Jeffcoat? This character is named Jock Jeffcoat. Was, did they say that in the episode? I don't think so. Jock Jeffcoat? I think we heard Jeffcoat. I don't think we heard the whole thing. That is phenomenal. So Koppelman and Levine now are just- <laughs> God. They're just feeling themselves at this point. I mean, Jack Jeffcoat. Long run of outstanding monikers on the show. We yeah. have, of course, Dollar Bill, the pouch, lest we never forget the pouch. Wags. Jock is really strong. Jock Chuck Jeffcoat. Rhodes with a special spelling. Good old Chaz. Bobby Axe Axelrod. They're really good at naming things. <laughs> it's great. And also like something like Bobby Axe Axelrod, it really makes the moments when Chuck calls him Bob 
just stand out as the epic fuck you as which it's intended. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so Taylor bombs the first meeting. Um, Wendy goes to see Axe at his phenomenal bachelor pad and basically just undercuts it. Yeah. And the big dilemma mm-hmm. of this whole episode is does Axe have to give up his money right. to keep Axe Capital thriving, which was he was clearly going to do, and they're clearly going to back channel right. in different ways so he can keep trading as the season goes along. Is that fair? Is that a fair? I think it's fair, but that it's also important to think about it and frame it thusly. It's never actually about the money for Axe. It's about what the money represents. And, and so action. it's about control and yeah. power and identity. And his identity is so tied up in the company that, you know, as he says to Wendy, is it even his company if he's not the one who's basically able to make all the decisions and execute? If he has somebody else acting in his stead, if he has a steward in control of his shop, is it even his shop anymore? And he, this is somebody who, this you how know, I feel about the ringer. <laughs> <laughs> as Jason mentioned on binge mode many times, it's important to remember X came from nothing guys. Yeah. He did. <laughs> Axe came, came from, from zero self-made man. And so he doesn't really know how to think about a life, not just that's devoid of a certain cachet and actual dollar amount in bank account. It's about walking into that building every day and knowing that everybody's going to look at him and say, you're the best at what you do. What Again, is that's he how I feel every, every morning at work. <laughs> I know I identify and maybe I should start dressing like X. The other big thing that happened is Wags and Taylor bonded. Yes. They went to a Turkish bathhouse. They did. And got massages and then- Someone in Taylor insulted Taylor and Wags took it very personally and went after them. And this is what happened. Such disrespect. Look at you, sitting here with your tits out. You got a fucking problem with my tits? Well, maybe they're turning you on. And that's the problem. You know, I could have done that for myself. I know. I wanted the release. This is even better than a hand job. So we're in the Turkish bath with them. We are. Everything's on the table at that point, right? Were you prepared for really any sort of variation on anything? There was about a minute there. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm scared. It was a. Including Wags getting finished off as a horrified (laughs) Taylor watches. I just, I didn't know what was going to happen. Well, we've seen Wags have a happy ending at a massage Uh, before. Season one, trying to convince the investors to keep their money in the firm. Yeah. No, no, nothing is ever off off the table with Wags. It's true. So yeah, I was prepared for literally any outcome there. And while it was certainly uh, on your edge of your seat because you're so uncomfortable just running through the prospects in your head kind of scene, it was ultimately like really charming. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I loved it. So Axe Capital yeah. slowly getting, getting their feet under them. Axe decides to basically relinquish his assets. Right. And then it heads toward this big ideas dinner, right. which was borrowing from the entourage playbook, an excuse to bring in some of the real life billionaire hedge fund people that they've probably used. Right. They'd be like, hey, Mark Lazary, Buck's owner, famous <laughs> hedge guy. We need you for this dinner. I'm going to give you a line. Right. And which he got to say awkwardly. But I haven't seen like kind of semi bad acting from real people like that really since the heyday of Entourage. I enjoyed it. I love it. I love cameos from people trying to act. It was good. It was good. I also just love to see Jerry O'Connell getting work. Yeah. So this is like a Jerry O'Connell resurgence, right? Cause he's hosting the Wendy O'Williams show Wendy, yeah. and he, he became kind of an internet sensation and I don't know. He was in like eight scenes and billions. He had a lot of action. In he's this back episode. though. 
most of his scenes were with Lara. And so that's a negative war. Yeah. My my big quibble with this whole episode. Yeah. Axe Capitals in shambles. Right. Why did they get invited to the ideas dinner? So respect for Axe? There was that interesting. I thought one of the better like paced and edited moments of the episode was early on in the first few minutes. We're trying to get our bearings. There's a lot of exposition to catch us up on just where all of the characters are and what state everybody is in. And the kind of cut scene between us seeing the meeting that Taylor and Wags are holding with the Axe Capital team. And they're all basically saying, Axe has always said this meeting is bullshit. Like, why do we want to even be there? And Wags is sort of fronting and saying they begged him. They begged him to show up. And then we cut to Axe and Wendy having their session. And Axe is like, I had to beg them to give me an invite. And I think obviously Axe is not a good guy, but one of the things that makes him kind of a redeeming character and certainly more relatable is that he's always really honest with himself and with other people about the reality of the moment. And it makes you want to root for him a little more that he's not actually just like everything's fine here. He knows that the rules have changed. He knows that his situation has changed and that he has to change with it if he's going to survive. Like Axe is a fighter and hubris defined much of his arc. This is what Jason and I talked about for season two, the idea of hubris and how that's the downfall of these powerful men. And that was one of those moments where for the first time as a viewer, you're like, maybe Axe is going to be okay, actually. Maybe he understands that he can't just keep doing the same thing. I'll root for any anti-hero. If I spend enough time with any TV character, I start rooting for them. I watched the entire Andrew Cunanan, Gianni Versace <laughs> show. And by yeah. the last episode, I was rooting for him to escape. Incredible. Like, get off the boat. Incredible. Get off that boat. They're going to get you. And, and he was a horrible person, a serial killer. So yeah, Axe literally is like a, a walk in the killer. park for me. Uh, all right. We're going to get to some awards. Okay. Most scarring scene. Oh my God. Now, Normally, this would just be for the episode itself, but I'd like to open it up to the history of mankind. <laughs> we have <laughs> we have Chuck and Wendy getting their mojo back in a nice little S&M way, which started out with a third party lying underneath Chuck as he was bound to a cage. Yep. That's how you want to be punished? Yes. Yes. This is, it's the most excruciating thing that I can think of. I want to know what he does to you, what you do to him. We're somewhere private. A hotel? A hotel. <laughs> White sheets thrown around us. Uh. Our clothes are off. Uh. Hands uh. and mouths on bare skin. I take him in my hands. Uh. Is he? Yeah. Hard. Thick. I give myself to him and let him do whatever he wants. Is it good? Good? No, it's fucking amazing. Um, did not see this this coming because they said to their kids, all right, guys, mom and dad are going to their therapist. That's right. I'm like, oh, this is good. They're getting a little therapy. Now, next scene, Chuck's on a cage. Yeah. Somebody's lying underneath him and Wendy's walking around with that whip and her, her S&M outfit. Yeah. And then proceeds to just beat the living hell out of Chuck and talk about the guy she had sex with. And 
it's the most painful thing ever for him, but he wants more of it. He wants to feel the pain of it. And she's just smacking him in the ass. And goddamn, was it scarring? I can't unsee it. It was. <laughs> you loved it. You were I texting me, it. delighted me. You sent me a picture of Chuck's I face. I did. I loved it for for a few reasons. Okay. But mostly because when I try to like, when I look inward. Yeah. And I ask myself, why do I love billions the way that I do? <laughs> <laughs> what does it say about me that I love billions the way that I do? Yeah. One of the things that I genuinely appreciate and admire about the show is that it is so committed to the bit. Yeah. So committed to the bit. One of the things when Chuck and Wendy are on the on the rocks in season two and you're wondering about the state of the marriage, they go to actual therapy. Yeah. And it just isn't working for them. And there's this like this extra level of irony there because of course Wendy is a therapist. Wendy is a counselor. She really believes in that. Chuck sort of won't participate, won't buy in. And so in this episode, there's the scene where Chuck wakes up in the middle of the night. He can't sleep. Wendy's like, ah, oh, again. So you get the sense that he's been having trouble sleeping. And he eventually goes out for a he walk. He just seems to get his ass spanked. <laughs> that was why. Just nice he, little spank first and he goes for, a, for an egg cream and a chat with Ira. But eventually, yes, he needed to get his ass spanked. But they have this exchange where they're talking about, all right, maybe we need to go back. And you think they mean marriage counseling. Yeah. But they set it up that way. Yes. And so there's this whole thing throughout the episode where you're like, oh, they're going to go back to this counselor. They're really going to give it a try. And it's like, of course not. That's not what Billions is. That's not who these people are. That's not what their marriage is. And I just love how honest they are about acknowledging that. And I also love. You should also mention that this is a scene that you felt like was going to go for about a minute. It was. Really, but they went for three. That's exactly what I was like, going to say oh, next. I was like, wow, this is so uncomfortable. I'm so glad it's going to end in one second. It's like, no, right. another another 70 seconds coming. The show does not give you the luxury of looking away. No. Like you have to be all in with these people. And the idea that Chuck, who is about to launch a campaign, we assume, for governor, he's still pursuing this. Yeah. Much of the season Jack two arc, gonna help. <laughs> much of the season two arc, he had somebody go get the laptop from the S and M mistress, yep. working with Mary Louise Parker's George Minchek, is that the yeah. character, to suss out any secrets, any dirt that could be used against him. There's this whole arc in season two about basically protecting information and protecting Chuck from his own worst tendencies. And then he's just right back in that world because it's who he is. And the idea that Wendy thinks they're role-playing, Wendy, who is supposed to understand more about interactions and psychology than anybody else on the show. And Chuck is actually like, this is real for him because his father in the ultimate you're dead to me forever move at the end of season two gave him gave chuck a picture of wendy and the elon musk character craig was he younger did you like him craig hard and thick i believe hard is the exact and thick. description oh god and chuck is actually like trying to get real information out of her because he knows and he can't stop thinking about it and she just thinks it's a game i mean it's Sorry. Some of the things he's, it's the most excruciating thing I can think of. I want to know what he does to you, what you do to him. Oh, God. And she's like, you're that pathetic, yeah, aren't you? This is the big, the MVP <laughs> of uh, episode one is Wendy. She has the upper hand on Chuck and Axe for probably the first time in the entire run of the show, right? Well, I mean, I in think- a major way. She goes to the bachelor pad. 
just cuts cuts down Axe, undermines him, undermines his whole cool bachelor pad life that he has. Right. And then just destroys Chuck, ruins him. And he loves it because he's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Martinez. Wendy, I think, is always in the lead. Can you explain the Mr. and Mrs. Martinez thing to people who might not forget this? Mr. and Mrs. Martinez, that's their, this is their alter egos for their S&M role-playing yeah. life. How do you and think they came up with Martinez? I don't know. Is it a shout out to Reginald Martinez Jackson? Because <laughs> Koppelman's a Yankee fan? I don't Maybe. understand it. Maybe, but we we see uh, when Chuck goes to his mistress. Yeah. Who has now been on like three or four episodes, including the incredible moment where she meets Chuck at the end of season two to talk about the stolen laptop and then drops the drops something and makes him in a public place, makes him pick it up so that yeah. she can step on his hand and yeah. an iconic like 30 seconds of television. And we know we learn that Chuck and Wendy went to role playing classes because the mistress is like, Wendy was a fucking all star. We're like, yeah. yeah, let us never forget because you I think you're fairly describing this scene as uh, something that left an impression on you and will stay with you for a while. But it made me punch myself in the head. Never forget that this entire series opened with Chuck Rhodes bound and gagged while Wendy burned right. him with right. a cigarette and then urinated. And then on season him. three opens with a horse fucking story. <laughs> Billions. It's very aware of what it is. All right. We're going to zip through these other words. Best new addition. Mm hmm. For me, it was Axe's Axe being single with a new bachelor pad, and then uh, we have the one nefarious blonde comes in and has no interest in having dinner, hanging out, watch TV. Do She's you want like, dinner? "Let's go upstairs." Do we need to do dinner? No. Um, <laughs> if this is going to be Axe's destiny this yeah. season, I am all for it. Because first of all, this is the best trade we've probably ever had in the show. We are trading <laughs> Lara, the worst character in the show. Yeah. For just a steady stream of nameless, faceless women who are probably one of them is going to double cross Axe at some point. Right. We can't lose here. This, this is great. It, it also, when Axe and Lara were on the outs at the end of season two and Lara has taken the kids, she's fled, Axe is trying to track her down and he keeps calling her. He leaves her like 26 voicemails that he eventually deletes before she can listen to them. One of them at the end is his, because his rage, it's like a sliding scale. It gets yeah. steadily like more unhinged during the course of these voicemails. And one Al of the Baldwin last ones asked. is basically just him saying, I could have fucked all these women, including your friends, and I didn't. Yeah. Shouldn't that count for something? And I love that the moment- Women love that. Women love hearing that. <laughs> love it. <laughs> the moment that they actually break up, he just like, goes right into the life that he was basically holding up as like, I never did this. I'm such a great guy. And then Please instantly he's like, life. I'm going to do this. If they ever do anything in this show, I hope it's this. They never <laughs> reconcile. Single acts. That would be great. Single acts. Let's have them dating. Let's have them out there. Let's have acts on Tinder. Raya. Axe would use Raya for sure. Uh, runner up for best new edition. We mentioned Clancy Brown as Jock Jeffcoat. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Taylor Wags buddy comedy, which hopefully at least they'll have one scene every episode. I just think that that their interplay is genuinely fascinating yeah. and like really compelling. I, like it too. I also think that Wags, when they're in the Russian and Turkish baths, Wags <laughs> saying to Taylor, have you ever seen Eastern Promises is among the most haunting, but also amusing film references in Billions history. Is there any sexual possibility with Wags and Taylor? I don't think so. I don't think so. You're going to rule out anything on this show. I, you're going to rule out any possibility of anything on Billions. As is a you're general life rule, I don't like to rule out anything where Wags is concerned. I, but I, just I don't saying, think that's where it's going. I, do I just, not rule out Wags. I just love 
Wags's season two arc was so much about him losing confidence for the first time ever. Yeah. And Taylor was a big reason. They were a threat. Yeah. In some ways. And we saw Wags and Taylor kind of coming together at the end of season two, basically out of loyalty to Axe, belief in themselves, self-preservation, but also a desire to protect the firm. And to see that that lasted and actually blossomed is just genuinely really cool. It, it warms your heart. The other one we liked for best new additions was the new haircuts. You want to talk about that quick? I cannot state strongly enough how mm. offended I was by Oliver Dake's hair in season two of okay. this show. And the dude is in New York now, right? You're not in DC anymore. Yeah. You're up in New York. Get some hair. Get a fresh trim. And he did. And normally fresh trim means something very different on Billions. But in this case, he got a, he got a fresh trim. A little fade. Also, Axe. Axe's hair was out of control over the course Blue. of season two. We're just, we had entered into like overly long, gelled, slicked back. He had a little fade action going on the side. You could tell that mm. they were they were changing the blades and the clippers as they, as they went. There was a real progression. I liked that. I liked that a lot. And then, of course, Todd Krakow returns mm. as... U.S. Treasury Secretary. And I just love the idea of someone who was set up as one of the biggest douchebags in the show's history now being a government official. It's very fitting for our current moment in time. And he had such little screen time, but was the butt of so many jokes, even though he was barely in the episode. Like, there's that great moment where Axe is watching him on TV and says, you know, his name on money may actually make me like it less, which... Anything that makes acts like money less, you must really be a piece of garbage. And then we see that Krakow tried to hire Taylor. And there's the great moment in the in Taylor's flashback as Wags is asking Taylor whether Taylor is considering other jobs. And Taylor says to Krakow, I'm already stewarding a firm, a bigger one. Not that size matters. Great, great thing to say when you're talking to somebody who's maybe five feet tall. It was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this whole episode. I also enjoyed the pop culture references of the week. Always. I guess you could call these the not totally forced pop culture reference of the week. They never feel 100% forced, but they're 10% forced. And that's one of the reasons we love the show. Here's what they did for pop culture this week. Top Gun, Dave the Hammer Schultz, Ivan Koloff, Iron Sheik's Camel Clutch, Bruce Lee, Blue Horseshoe Loves Anacot Steel, <laughs> Viacon Dios, and Mr. Rogers. What was your pop culture reference of the week? I like the... One two punch of Mr. Rogers and Bruce Lee, both coming from Axe, both in relation to Birch. You have about as much edge as Mr. Rogers. Okay, guys. You really want me to let him into the books and see the trades? Lots of guys watch Bruce Lee movies. Doesn't mean you can do karate. It's cutting. Incredibly rude, especially for a guy who's just trying to get his, his legs back under him, had been downgraded to a family business because of Axe, tre- Axe's treachery and betrayal. And... Birch, we should say, he's there at Axe Capital with Lara. She brought Birch, Axe's known nemesis and rival. Birch is also the guy who ended up fucking Axe during the Nigerian currency play in season two as a, a, a bit of retribution. These guys are enemies. They're foes. Yeah. And for Lara to bring him into Axe Capital and to let him look into Axe's books was about as big of a blow to Axe's ego and to the state of their relationship as anything possible. And then... Wags can't believe it. Can't believe that Axe is going to concede and let Birch actually look at the books. This is a this is a competitor. Yeah. And Axe is like, this is just not. This doesn't matter. And Wags is like, what's going on? And Axe says, lots of guys watch Bruce Lee movies. Doesn't mean you can do karate. And that is just the most 
gutting assessment of Birch's actual abilities as a hedge fund manager, as a trader. He's like, it doesn't matter if I tell him everything I do. And if he sees everything I do, he can never be me. Right. Loved it. Um, We're heading toward a point where they cross the beams and somebody says to Jerry O'Connell's character something like, that's what Cush's dad thought when he double crossed Jerry Maguire. <laughs> and Jerry O'Connell has to pretend that he wasn't Cush in that analogy. Oh, it's got, it's, I can't I, wait for the cross. It's got to happen. Quote of the week. I had two that I really liked. Okay. What's meant to happen always does. Blackjack Foley. That's a great quote. He. This That's is his mantra. Yearbook quote right there. By this, the way, high school kids out there. Yeah. Throw that on there. <laughs> What's meant to happen always does by Blackjack Foley. It's his mantra. He's He's issued this a few times. He seems to be. It's a good one. It's it's certainly one of the indicators that he's as full of shit as we think he is. Yeah. Right. But what does that even mean, by the well, way? Well, you know, what, but, fronting what, that there's, you know, some higher power in the universe and, you know, what will be will be. And really, he thinks he's the master puppeteer controlling yeah. everything, which he is in some ways. The quote of the week is obviously, all right, guys, mom and dad are going to the therapist. But we, you had a couple more those, that you liked? Those poor children, really. I just. Two more quotes <laughs> that you like? Uh, yes. I like the the Oren. An axe exchange when Oren shows up at Axe. Do you want to be Oren or Axe? Uh, I'll be Oren. Okay. You okay. be Oren, I'll be Axe. <clears throat> As is often the case, the longer you can hold off, the more likely it is you'll be screaming in pleasure at the end. We're not making a porno, Oren, <laughs> though I appreciate the effort to make me laugh. And then here it is. This is the kicker. My father always said laughter is the best medicine, which is why I was so confused when I finally tried cocaine in the 80s. Incredible. <laughs> iconic. Absolutely iconic. And then this isn't funny, but one of the things that the show is really masterful at is summing up its mission statement at least once per episode. Yeah. And we got it this time from Brian Connerty saying, when it comes to billionaires and Bobby Axelrod in particular, the thing you got to understand is they're meat eaters. The only win they can live with is total present and future. And he's saying that to Dake basically as a reminder that once again, Dake is underestimating the opponent. Everybody who's trying to take Axe down thinks that they're dealing with somebody who's, who's rational and who's going to be content to barter and to negotiate. That's not how Axe thinks. That's not how people in this world think. And I love when the show gets somebody to say that out loud. We got to run here. Loser of the week. It's all. Do we call this the category loser of the week? Who's not Lara or Lara Lara? I, I like the best part about her is you don't know if it's Lara or Lara. You just know Lara. that every scene she's in kills the show. Lara just waiting for her to pick up a pizza slice with some caviar all over it. I wouldn't be caught dead in that sardine can. Okay, Lara. Incredible. Get in the elevator and she's, let's let's keep going with the show. She's a uh, really tough You thought Dake hang. was another possible loser. If, if we name this award the loser of the week, who's not Lara? If we're looking for someone other than Lara, I nominate Dake for compromising his integrity and his ideals, bending to Chuck's will, and also in the course of all of that, basically being so bad at playing the game that Connerty sniffs out that he's up to something and says... Never trust an officer who doesn't ask you to salute. Like he knows the people reporting to date can tell that he's up to something that he yeah. isn't. He isn't up to the task in front of him. And the one thing that's interesting is that he he is now Chuck is in his debt because Dake has negotiated to protect the ice juice IPO reveal regarding Wendy and Chuck yeah. Sr. and all of that. So we've got Chekhov's favor in play. Dake says, I'm going to keep the, the IOU in my pocket for later. So obviously we know that that's going to come into play at some point this season. So that's the only thing that doesn't make Dake a huge loser, but everything else in the episode did. New recurring character of the week, obviously 
Jack Jeffcoat. Jack Jeffcoat. Uh, cameo of the week, Mark Lazary, Bucks owner, bad actor. <laughs> and that's all we got for the show. Uh, coming up, episode two. The big question for me, yeah. the big thing lingering over episode one was the fact that John Malkovich was not in it yet, but we know he's coming and we know he's playing a Russian billionaire. And when do they drop that? We know he's playing a Russian billionaire named Grigor Andalov. That's incredible. I I've not sure I've ever been more excited for anything in my life. Grigor Andalov. That was the alternate SM name for <laughs> Mr. Martinez, who's going to be Grigor Andalov. Maybe that's how he'll come Andalofs. into play. They'll meet him so, in the dungeon. He'll come in episode two, episode three, I'm guessing, somewhere yeah. in the next two. And it's going to be Axe's roundabout way of staying in the action by by using the Russians. Interesting. Doing that as the end around and the Russians being like, you can trust us, you can trust us, which will be some sort of weird parallel to what happened in 2016 with America. Interesting. Because Koppelman is a very political guy and so is Levine. So we're going to the ripped, ripped from the I headlines. Think yeah, I think we're doing a kind of parallel universe- Oh, the Russians, they'll help you, but you're going to end up getting fucked by them in the end. So then there's, my a, guess. there's another possibility then where almost everything you just said is true. But instead of Axe aligning with this guy, he, double -crosses he uses them. him yes. as another human shield yeah. to somehow get out of this, put Chuck and of course, Jock Jeffcoat. Yeah, <laughs> Jock. <laughs> on this guy's send instead. Oh, 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 wait a minute, Bill. Yeah. Bill. Where were Wags and Taylor? They were at the Russian oh, here we and go. Turkish baths. Perhaps Grigor Andalov also frequents the but Russian here's the baths. Thing, here's the thing with Koppelman and Levine. They throw in stuff that they're doing in their own life. Like Koppelman plays a lot of ping pong. Right. So oh there's like God. this the random ping pong scene. scene. It was basically he just wanted to get the whole ping pong center into the thing. That so was maybe great. they love Turkish baths. Maybe. Or... Maybe they're trying to indicate that this is the Russian season. Oh my God. I can't wait. I can't wait. I want as little as Lara, as little of Lara and as much of the Russian baths and Mr. 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 Mrs. Martinez as possible. Everything is on the table, including Anna Kornikova being the third person in <laughs> on the Mr. and Mrs. Martinez s and scene. I'm ready for anything. Taylor and Wags having a stormy relationship. I, I don't, I don't, I'm. Everything's on the table. I think Chuck and Wendy, Mr. and Mrs. Martinez, need a, a safe word other than red. I just think that we're supposed to respect yeah. Chuck's intellect and creativity pretty, a little more than that. Yeah. Use something like- Shake it up. Recapable. <laughs> um, and then finally, last but not least, uh, the Axelrod kids. Oh, man. Tough one going through the script, waiting for your lines. Uh, am I in this one? I'm, it's Okay. Bye, mom. Bye, dad. See you later. And I that's it. Get the elevator. I actually couldn't tell. It looked like maybe the older kid was actually a different actor. I we wouldn't. We, would we don't never really know. see the front of his face. That younger kid, though, Jack Gore, starring role in Amazon's Electric Dreams. Really? Yeah, he was the lead in one of the episodes. He was actually pretty good. It was a baseball episode, and it was also about. I don't think. A, I don't think a small helicopter crash with the Axelrod family, where only Bobby survives, can be ruled out. I would love for Lara to go down on the yacht because so many <laughs> of sink. her hypothetical escape plans involved the yacht mm. named the Good Life, and yeah. it just seems like a fitting end for her to run with her literal suitcases full of cash. What are her odds to survive season three? I'm gonna say plus 300 uh that's it for the recapables episode one season three billions if you enjoyed this i would also encourage listening to atlanta which goes up at 10 30 on thursday night hosted by amanda dobbins and mike peters and 
Allison Herman or Justin Charity, a whole bunch of people. Billions. This is great. And last but not least, thanks to our friends at songfinch.com for the theme song that they created for our show. Go check them out if you want to hear any of their music. To Mr. and Mrs. Martinez, Jack Jeffcoat, and everyone out there, we'll see you next week. 